0: an experienced gun user can pull a gun from its holster aim and fire a gun at you in less than half a second
1: when you have to decide quickly if a person another person is holding a gun or not so if you're also holding a gun then you're more biased to see other people as holding a gun
0: on this episode of the conjectural a story about how your ability to act can change what you see I'm Robert Frederick. Suppose you've got a gun. You're at a firing range. It's designed to look like a ghetto at night. There are paper cutouts of monsters and of regular people. With lights flashing and noises all around you, including the other people at the firing range who are shooting, you have to decide which of the cutouts represents a threat, and so which of them to shoot. It's a scene from a movie called Men in Black, starring Will Smith. While everyone else is firing... Smith's character, named Edwards, looks quickly around but does not shoot. At the end, after everyone else stops firing, Edwards fires just one shot. The door opens, and the supervisor asks Edwards, Edwards, what the hell happened? Hesitated. The supervisor then clicks a button, and the cutout of a little girl with books in her arms comes center frame. There's a single bullet hole through the picture of the little girl's head. May I ask why you felt little Tiffany deserved to die? Well, she was the only one that actually seemed dangerous at the time, sir. How'd you come to that conclusion? Well, first I was gonna pop this guy hanging from the street light, and then I realized, you know, he's just working out. And how would I feel somebody come running in the gym, bust me in my ass while I'm on the treadmill? Then I saw this, uh, snarling beast guy, and I noticed he had a tissue in his hand, and I realized, you know, he's not snarling. He's sneezing. You know, ain't no
1: real threat there. Then I saw little Tiffany. I'm thinking, you know, eight year old white girl, middle of the ghetto, bunch of monsters, this time of night with quantum physics books. She about to start some there. She's about eight years old. Those books are way too advanced for her. If you ask me, I say she's
0: up to something. In the movie, Edwards has a lot of time to think before shooting his gun. The whole firing range scene where everyone is shooting takes about 20 seconds. And he had the luxury of all that time because nothing was shooting back, or even could shoot back. So what happens when you only have less than half a second to think before you decide to shoot? A half a second is about the amount of time it takes an experienced gun user to pull a gun from its holster, aim, and fire a gun at you. Here's how fast that happens. From seeing the gun, we'll try that again. Ready? Gun. Nope, not much time there to think through whether the person you're confronting is holding a tissue holding books about quantum physics or holding a gun.
1: So we have a line of research showing that when you have to decide quickly if a person, another person is holding a gun or not.
0: Jessica Witt is a psychologist at Colorado State
1: University. Which is, of course, a decision that you don't have time to really ponder and think about, that your own action abilities can create biases. So if you're also holding a gun, then you're more biased to see other people as holding a gun.
0: Witt was speaking at a press conference hosted by AAAS, and I had to ask a question. This question is for Dr. Witt. Of course, I was thinking about the quick decisions police officers make to protect their own safety, as well as the mistakes they make because of biases. You mentioned police officers, potentially, as people who had guns, would see others having a gun. They would be more inclined to think that others did. Is there a way to untrain somebody or to train somebody past that? perception that they might automatically have to see somebody else as having a gun? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. So just to be clear, we actually haven't done these studies in police officers yet. Of course, perhaps the findings we get just with holding a gun might generalize to police officers, but we haven't tested that. What we are finding is that the biases are a lot stronger when people respond quickly. Not too surprising. But it it didn't have to be that way. So people are making errors when they respond quickly and when they're responding slower. But it's those errors when they're responding quickly that are much more biased.
0: What does that bias do exactly? It makes people see guns when there aren't any. And because our police keep public records, we know that police have killed people because they thought a person was holding a gun, but really wasn't. Each of these objects represents at least one person who died because police thought the person was holding a gun. A wallet, a shoe, a cordless drill, a hairbrush, a drink bottle, a bottle of cologne, a hose nozzle, and a cell phone.
1: And we're also finding that having some experience in a situation without a gun helps prevent some of those biases when you do have a gun.
0: Which all suggests that police training programs should include situations where police officers have to respond to a situation without having a gun in hand. As Witt and others have written, if you're holding a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. So, the thinking goes, if you're holding a gun, everything starts to look like a target. So perhaps the gun should remain in the holster a little longer?
1: So... I know that in situations when someone might have a gun, you don't have the luxury necessarily of getting to spend a little bit more time looking. But what we find is if you can spend, and we're talking a few hundred milliseconds, if you you can spend a, a little bit longer looking and gathering more visual evidence, then we see that these biases go away.
0: And that's what having some experience in dangerous situations without a gun does. Makes you pause a few hundred milliseconds more and really look. Hesitated. Now, a few hundred milliseconds. That's the time it takes to say gun a second time. It's also around the amount of time it takes to pull a gun out of its holster. So, is that a gun? Look, no gun. So, having a gun in your hands gives you the ability to shoot, and that raises the likelihood that you see threatening objects. But this ability to act... Changing what you see? Witt says it applies to a lot more than just guns.
1: If you're wearing a heavy backpack or you're fatigued, hills look steeper, distances look farther. If if you weigh more than others, if you are obese, distances look farther and hills look steeper.
0: In other words, both short-term changes, such as being tired or carrying something heavy, and long-term changes, such as being obese, change what you see. It goes for skills and using equipment, too.
1: So, for example, more skilled swimmers see targets underwater as closer than less skilled swimmers. And then there's a moment-to-moment effect as well. So if you are a less skilled swimmer, but you put on fins to make you faster, those underwater targets will look closer, even though you're less skilled.
0: It also extends to baseball and being on a hitting streak.
1: So if you're a really good baseball player, um, and you're hitting well, you'll see the ball is bigger. But if on a given day, if you're not hitting well, you won't see the ball is bigger. You'll actually see the ball is smaller.
0: And really, it doesn't matter whether you think you have the skills. You actually have to have the skills. You can't just have a high opinion of your skills.
1: Golfers who played better saw the hole as bigger. But golfers who rated themselves as really good... It didn't matter. They didn't see the holes any bigger. So it seems to be really truly about action and not these conscious beliefs about what you can do or what you are.
0: And that brings us to Witt's obesity study and whether you think you're fat but aren't or whether you think you're thin but aren't. So your physical body size versus your conception of your body size.
1: So the purpose of our study on obesity was actually to dissociate those two things because a lot of people who weigh more than others tend to perceive themselves as being uh, less heavy. And uh, if you know any teenage girls, you know a lot of people who are not very big perceive themselves to be bigger. And so we could dissociate physical abilities or physical body size with kind of your conception or your perceptions of your own body size. And what we find is that um, perception of distance and perception of hill slant, uh, that cares about physical body size, but it doesn't care at all about what you think about yourself. So if you think you're bigger, if you are less satisfied with your body, that doesn't change your perception at all.
0: Of how far a distance is or how steep the hill is. So overall, Witt says, trusting what you see and really looking to make sure you see is what matters here. And that's a good thing because trusting what you see prompts people who have less ability to do something from trying to do something that they really shouldn't do such as taking the stairs, two at a time, just because that's what you've always done even though you're getting older or have become really obese or suffering from temporary back pain. In other words, Witt says, biases and perception are useful, generally.
1: So these biases and perception we think are actually really useful and really good, except when you need to change. And when you need to fight through pain or if you want to change your lifestyle, for example, with obesity. And in that case, you can't trust your perceptions. And you have to kind of go against what vision's telling you to do and, and fight through it. And the good thing is that will change. So as the pain lessens, you won't have these perceptual biases fighting against you anymore, and suddenly distances won't seem so impossibly far, and hills won't seem as, as impossibly steep, and staircases won't seem so impossible. And so if you can get to the point where you're back to being you know, physically active, then vision will reward you.
0: And all of this challenges the notion that we see the world as it truly exists, or that we even all see the world in the same way.
1: And my research is showing that instead, everyone has a unique perspective on the world. They see the world in a way that's unique to them. And that what dictates what they see is a function of their ability to act in the world.
0: So is that a gun? Look, gun? Nope, no gun. (sighs) You've been listening to The Conjectural, a show that's running an experiment the data for this experiment, your feedback to theconjectural.com, where you can also give the support that makes the show happen, download a transcript, and subscribe to the show. Support for this episode comes from listeners like you and from American Scientist Magazine, published by Sigma Xi, the Scientific Research Society. I'm Robert Frederick. Follow me on Twitter at theconjectural. Thanks for joining us.